0: Welcome to this special Italian Wine Podcast broadcast. This episode is a recording of Clubhouse, the popular drop-in audio chat. This Clubhouse session was taken from the Wine Business Club and Italian Wine Club.
1: Hello everybody, my name is Stevie Kim and welcome to the Thai and Wine Club, now called House on Clubhouse. We have surpassed our 100th episode milestone on Clubhouse of the Ambassador's Corner uh, about Couple of weeks ago, I believe, and like I yes, I've turned on the record button on the roadcaster because a uh, few few episodes ago I completely forgot, which was kind of a kind of insane anyway welcome uh you know how this works you've been here i see some of you hello hello to pablo fermented boss cynthia from the office kevin oh yeah it was with kevin when i had forgotten to um press the record button and we couldn't replay it from the clubhouse long story anyways jody valentina cynthia of course uh from the office hello everybody so today's mod is Mr. Ciro Pirone. Ciao, Ciro. Ciao, Stevie. Come stai? Mene, come stai? Dove sei? Where are you?
2: I am, uh, well, I'm in Massachusetts uh, in uh, a town called Wakefield right now.
1: What's the weather been like there?
2: It's, uh, it's, it's warm. I mean, we've had um, lots of rain as well here and there, scattered. But uh, it's been warm. I mean, nowhere near what's happening in Italy, but uh, definitely a pretty warm, typical summer for here.
1: It's been crazy. You know that last night in the past few days, actually, there there has been thunderstorms. And um, the other yeah. the other night, actually, um, the other day, a man even got um, he got um, struck by a lightning. And I think he's, he's yeah. passed, unfortunately. It's been crazy. Yesterday, there was such huge hailstorm. Also by Cynthia, she said, like, I mean, the hailstorm, hail the hails, like, they were the size of not of a golf ball, but quite large. So let's just cross fingers for um, our friends everywhere. Um, of course, you know, with the peronospora, all the uh, mildews, and now this, It's it's kind of a mess. Let's let's hope for the best. And maybe you can ask also uh, Claudia, our guest today. So of course, those of you who are unfamiliar with Ciro Pirone, he is our friend and our Italian wine ambassador many, many times. In fact, I had to create a special category for him with the honorable mention, because um, he was trying to resit for expert. But I'm still I, if you are committed, I'm still convinced that you will become our Italian wine expert one day.
2: I am committed, just okay. waiting for uh, <laughs> the right the next moment. US yeah. Yes.
1: So, uh, Chido, so what are, you, what are you up to nowadays? You're, are you still the director of Italian wines for Horizon?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm still with Horizon, which has been 16 years now. So, wow, obviously, crazy. it's been uh, yeah quite a while. Uh, But it's all good. You know, things are busy, uh, never stop. And, uh, you know, it's a healthy market. And uh, obviously, the summer, you know, slows down in some areas. But uh, overall, things are good. And Italian wine is still in great demand.
1: Yeah, I've I've heard, uh, I've spoken to some of the Italian wine producers lately. And they had said that, I mean, 22 was really, really great. Um, you know, above their expectation, and twenty three has they've seen a little bit of decline, a bit of a drop. What, what are what are your thoughts on that?
2: Well, definitely the um, the retail side of business slowed down quite a bit this year because mm-hmm. after you know several years of growth during COVID and post COVID, uh, you know now it's kind of flattened, and at least in this market, there's also an increase of amount of licenses available for off-premise accounts, which obviously means wine is available in a lot more locations. So obviously it's challenging to get that business. But um, in the restaurant world, instead, things are like uh, definitely going uh, pretty well. Um, again, there is an element of seasonality where Cape Cod and the islands and some of the other coastal areas get very busy. And maybe areas surrounding Boston they get a little bit slower because people go away in the summer, mm-hmm. but overall, on premises going strong and off premises where things are more flat. Yeah.
1: So tell tell us a few of the um, I, I I I guess Claudio is one of your um, supplier.
2: So Claudio is one of the yes, basically we represent. He's uh, a uh, really single wine here in uh, Boston, Massachusetts. Yep. Yeah. And who are, give us some
1: of the, your other Italian uh, wineries that we would recognize, just to have an idea in terms well, we of rough,
2: Yeah, yeah, we represent uh, roughly 50, I think 55 to 57 wineries that might have changed a bit, but uh, from, uh, you know, bigger names established like uh, Ruffino, Frescobaldi, Banfi, but also Donna Fugata, Bruno Giacosa, Um, uh, Tenuta San Guido, uh, Fattoria di Rodano, Villa Matilde in Campania, Claudio Quarta in Puglia, uh, Borgo Conventi and Collavini in Friuli. So uh, do you have, do you you cover, do you cover every single region? Not every single region because the way it works, uh, we as a distributor, we buy wines from uh, suppliers, which obviously are the importers. Mm -hmm. And some of our importers cover more Italian region than others. And uh, not many necessarily have things like Liguria, Basilicata, uh, Molise. Molise. You know, some of the smaller regions, if you will. <laughs> yeah,
1: Correct. Molise. Well, you I said Molise right just, through just, through just it. to
2: make them
1: <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so let's yeah. get to uh, today. Your um, guest today, your interviewee. Uh, for this yes. call is Claudio Sotile. So how how come you chose Claudio out of all of these producers that you can you can have in, in um, your hands?
2: I, I feel like uh, you know the purpose of the platform here is also to give voice to some of the micro producers that have obviously a, still a great story behind them, and uh, specifically uh, in the few years that I've known Claudio you know, doing business together, you know, we grew close and basically I've been trying to help wine really uh, grow here in the Boston market. And um, knowing his passion and obviously effort that he puts into making the wine and all the challenges that come along with that, I think it's a it's a story worth being told and definitely wines worth drinking and for people to experience. Okay,
1: excellent. Um, I'm always, I'm unfamiliar with also Claudia's wine and winery. So I'm looking forward to your conversation today. What are the learning objectives as usual? What what are we expecting from you today?
2: I I think uh, a few where, uh, you know, obviously Sicily today, you know, represents one of the, I think, uh, greatest wine regions of the world at large with its, you know, wealth of uh, great varieties, terroirs, but also foods and traditions and whatnot. And although some areas... uh, like Aetna, have become incredibly popular and uh, well-traveled by many, Uh, there's a lot of greatness in many other places and and many things are happening. So I think it's important to also shed the light, you know, over the many beautiful stories and talented producers uh, that are throughout the island in places maybe not as famous as Aetna. And specifically for this interview, also have a bit of a deeper conversation on, uh, Catarrato, which is really the grape Claudio works with, uh, that for the longest time was really only thought of and regarded as a bulk wine production grape. Yeah,
1: it's crazy its popularity now. So,
2: okay, listen, Ciro, you have a lot to cover,
1: I see. So I'm going to leave the floor to you and um, I will come back. I will mute myself now and we'll come back towards the end of the show.
2: Okay? All right, great. Thank you, Stevie. Ciao, ragazzi. Um, out. So, uh, well, thank you, everybody, for attending now, whoever is going to listen later. Um, and uh, I'm just going to introduce uh, Claudio to all of you. So Claudio Sottile is the founder of Iniciary Wines and a third-generation viticulturist. Uh, Claudio is actually born in Queens, New York, and is a first-generation Italian-American who would spend his summers growing up in Sicily with his grandparents, harvesting grapes uh, uh, from vineyards that they basically planted um, 50 years ago on Monte Inici, which is located in Castellammare del Golfo. As a point of reference, it's located in the westernmost part of the island. His grandparents predominantly sold the grapes until 2016, uh, when Claudio decided, uh, you know, to be the first of the family to produce wine, his first vintage uh, for the wine called Abisso was produced in 2017, uh, and it's 100% Cataratto. Uh, Abyssal launched basically the start of Inicere Wines and received also a silver medal at the World Wine and Spirits Competition in 2018. So Claudio, together with being a busy winemaker and whatnot, is also the chef-owner of two restaurants in New York and continues to spend uh, his summers in Sicily, Sicily. As my friend, he just came back a couple of days ago uh, with his family and where he continues to produce wine. So without further ado, uh, Claudio, how are you, my friend?
3: Ciao, Chito. How are you? Thank you for having me. Thank you for involving me in this uh, wonderful podcast.
2: Pleasure, pleasure. Hopefully after this conversation, many more people are going to know about you, and they're going to taste your wines, and hopefully fall in love with your wines and spread the gospel. Um, So uh, we're going to get going with the questions as we have uh, obviously a certain amount of time that we can you know, spend today? So, first and foremost, it's been more of a general question, but in your opinion, what has made Sicily, you know, such an incredible popular tourist destination over the last five years?
3: Uh, well, you know, uh, Sicily is really just this magical place. Uh, you know, I think that both uh, its history and the, the, uh, the Sicilian culture of preserving the history is, is what really... Um, makes this this special place. Uh, pretty much at every corner of the island, you find uh, ancient Greek ruins and uh, cities built by the Arabs and the Moors. Uh, you know, and, and aside from uh, the these these temples and cities, even our cuisine reflects the amount of uh, influence that we have. Uh, Right. Like uh, our cuisine in many of the dishes involves um, flavors of the Arab Levant. And a lot of the techniques stem from uh, uh, French culture and and, and that uh, preparations, right, these long, uh, either they're simple and quick preparations or long preparations. But, uh, you know, the reality is, is that of, of because it's lesser known. I think that when people do visit, and especially now, as a recent, in the last few years, there's been a lot of talk of Sicily. Um, when people do visit, they find it to be just incredible, right? Because in, in front of you, you have this pristine water or these uh, beautiful temples. Um, and so I really do think that that kind of um, is, is really the, 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 what makes it so special.
2: Yeah, I think uh, obviously it's very true. And uh, I always, when I talk about Sicily, I always mention that uh, it is the melting pot of history before other places became the melting pot of cultures and and such things. Um, So um, how did you, although your bio might have mentioned that a bit, but how did you get into the wine business and what were you doing exactly before that?
3: so uh professionally i've been a chef um, a professional chef for the last 15 years Uh, as you mentioned i I, I have two restaurants here in the new york city area i'm currently sitting in my restaurant in brooklyn uh but i got into the wine business because i come from uh, uh, over three generations of viticulturists. that i can account for is is about six generations of viticulturists in the contrada in our area um and my grandparents uh, were farmers, were viticulturists as well. Um, and they planted uh, our vineyard about f- five decades ago. Uh, even though the current grapes that we're harvesting are not uh, 50 years old, we, we do have some, some vines that have remained from the original. But for the most part, our, our vines are about uh, 35 and 40 years old. Um, and so I would, you know, I would spend my summers in Sicily with, with my grandparents. My sister and I would be shipped off, uh, to Sicily the day after school ended. Um, and we would stay in the Montigny Campagna, as we called it. Um, basically, uh, you know, spending time with our grandparents and go visiting, you know, going up and down the roads and the vines. And one of, you know, as a matter of fact, one of the games we played as a kid is we would, uh, we would collect, we would play a game to see who can collect the most amount of shoots that would stem off from uh, the rootstock of the vines, right? Because that kind of takes away nutrients from from the vines. So um, so my grandparents, especially my grandmother, she ran the vineyard so she was 87 years old. Um, sure. And for the better part of... Uh, the last 45 years, we, we, we predominantly sold the grapes. Um, it's probably within the last uh, 10 years that the, the Contrada e Inishi, uh, I think that a lot of winemakers started to um, understand the, the, the beauty of, of La Contrada e and really how the, the, there's such a distinct terroir uh, within the valley. And so, you know, we were selling to uh, well-known uh Wineries in, in, you know, stretching as far as Marsala, uh, going into even um, Campo Real and those areas. Um, So in 2016, my grandmother unfortunately passed away. Um, And uh, now it was my turn. And seeing as we, you know, we would uh, spend our summers there, you know, we would even come back uh, to the US. School had already started for three or four weeks, but we needed to stay in sicily because my sister and i needed to be witness uh to harvest to see how it worked and sure. and all the fruits and labors of, of a year of working the soil and how it would come to its its conclusion right so um nice. so i i when i took over in 2016 i, I kind of uh fell in love with with uh, la contrada especially you know our our area is just magnificent um And, you know, I I started to understand a lot more of the uh, kind of the business side of things. And and I understood that, you know, we're uh, certified uh, biologico, certificado biologico, which is um, more strenuous than organic viticulture. Because even in organic viticulture, you can use organic-based pesticides and fertilizers and things like that in our case we cannot we have to we have to combat ailments and things like that by introducing other things right so uh for right. instance if we have uh uh lots of rain or the only thing that we could really employ is is getting on the tractor and aerating the soil uh in terms of fertilizer what we do is we do inter inter row crops so we grow things like fava beans and um Uh, sunflowers and things like that all that can be reworked into the soil uh you know after the winter so um so once i understood the the farming side of things and the the business side of things and especially that we were you know relatively sought after by some well-known producers you know i decided that it was kind of a twofold uh reason one that it would uh, enable me to continue my family's legacy uh, and not being subject to, you know, negozianti and then negoziants and, uh, and uh, you know wine bro- uh, uh, grape brokers. Uh, and then the the second part was really to have a reason to go back, uh, you know, uh, have a reason to go back and 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 to grow my family's legacy. Uh, you know, is is really the the reason why I started this.
2: True. That's a, that's a wonderful purpose and obviously rest in peace to your grandma. And as you mentioned, you have two restaurants. Maybe it's worth just mentioning because obviously there's people here listening and will be listening later from all over and many from New York too. So you should mention what's the name of your restaurants. Maybe somebody sure. will come and visit.
3: Sure, sure. So the the name of the restaurant I'm currently sitting in is called Pecoraro Latteria. Uh, we mm. are an Ita- Italian uh, uh, alimentari or gourmet grocery and restaurant. Uh, We also have a uh, facility next door where we make uh, fresh cheeses. So we're, um, you know, Latteria is basically a dairy store. Uh, So we make, we manufacture fresh mozzarella products, burrata, mozzarella di bufala, uh, ricotta, and all things like that, all made with local New York State milk. Uh, And so that's where you can find me most of my time when I'm not uh, either on the road with the wines or in Sicily, I'm here. Uh, and, you know, really, my, my passion is, is food. Um, and, you know, that really comes from spending my summers in Sicily with my grandparents. You know, the, the everyday life, la vita quotidiana, uh, as they say, is really completely encompassed by food. Um, and so I'm, I'm happy to have both of my passions uh, being my occupation.
2: That's that's uh, that's fantastic. Same here. Love wine and food. So uh, I want to ask you: How does it actually feel to be the first generation winemaker? Although you guys have been viticulturists for three generations, but you're really the one that started the actual winemaking and bottling wine. How does it actually feel on you?
3: So I I could tell you that uh, it it's it's an it's I feel incredibly lucky to have the opportunity to. Uh, a to to bring forward the the legacy which is my family and and farming and viticulture um but it also comes with a lot of responsibility um you know i can tell you that my first harvest in in 2016 uh 2017 actually was our first harvest where we we bottled um the you know although i I spent my summers and and in, in Sicily and and being part of uh, la vendemia, the, the the harvest. There's so much that is uh, that happens, right? There's so many variables that happen day to day, uh, week to week that that all can can either hinder your production or can uh, make your production flourish, right? And so. Um, the, the, there was a, a, a big learning curve for me. Um, and, you know, at, at times you, you kind of say, you know, especially me being first-generation Italian-American, uh, I feel at home in Sicily, but the, the, the reality is is that uh, from people there, I'm looked as, uh, almost as an outsider. Um, <laughs> and so there was that, uh, you know, that feeling, that overwhelming feeling of uh, am I doing the right thing? You know, am I am I doing what is right for for the the vines, for my family, for for our history, uh, for the territory? And you know, I, I had this vision to, for Inichedi, and the reason why I called it Inichedi is uh, when you add E R I to the end of something, it means of that place. Um, okay. And you know, when when we were selling our grapes to the, to these nego- negociants and to Uh, brokers and you know I always thought this is where the best some of the best white white varietals are being grown in Sicily yet nobody knows about it you know when I started in we were probably a handful of of, uh, uh, producers that were growing and bottling I mean less than five Uh, and I'm you know I'm happy to say that as of today right and uh, we're over 17 producers Um, the wines are definitely on the map, both uh, locally, and and I hope that my efforts are are making it known uh, internationally. Um, And, you know, we're starting to see uh, something that's really beautiful, which is the culture of not just being viticulturalist, right? Because farming, you're trying to produce basically the highest sugar content in your wines, because that's what brokers were looking for. Um, The reality is you make elegant wines with Grapes that have a lower and that are not overly mature and don't have the over-ripen, overripe uh, caramel flavors and, and color tones. And so, you know, what's, what's really, really beautiful for me, where it wasn't exactly mainstay, you know, 70 years ago, uh, today people are talking about how do we make the most elegant wines. Uh, rather than producing the, the highest level sugars, right? And and I think right. that bottling bottling is what has helped that, right? Is that these producers realize, you know what, I, I can't make an elegant wine with the uh, grapes that are overdeveloped, the skins are overly mature, and the sugar content is uh, 24, 22, 23 bricks. So, right. so yeah. that's really it.
2: It's awesome. Uh, So just to get a bit more specific, obviously, we're talking about wine, wine, wine. But uh, in your case, why the choice of Catarrato as a grape and uh, also specifically for the audience is a lot of, you know, geeky wine geeks like me. But which Catarrato are you working with? Uh, uh, just to explain a little bit more sure so
3: uh, we we grow all in, indigenous varietals as well as we have some uh, uh, a little bit of a trebbiano which is a, basically what was what was a staple um, once upon a time i want to say 30 40 years ago was a staple to grow tre- um, but, uh, catarato lucido is what we work with and it's what was planted by my grandparents. Um, you know, the catarato lucido is really an amazing, uh, catarato in general is an amazing grape varietal. Um, the, from a, a botanical standpoint, it's an extremely uh, resilient vine. Um, it's, it's one that can, you know, it, the roots go very very deep to find water uh it's even in the in the trellising process it, it almost uh the, the 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 groupings grow in a way where they're uh lower to the ground but not too low they the tends to have less foliage around the grouping so that it allows for aeration um and, and Catarato is is one of the few varietals in my opinion that really really lends itself to the terroir where it's being grown uh, you know, I believe it's because the rootstock goes so deep, um, but, but also it, it, it's, it's just, it's one that, you know, I, I've tasted Catarato now, both from our valley, the Iniceri mountains, all the way to Campo Reale, to Etna. And it's really, really amazing how the the, the wine, the, the 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 grapes, and the wine themselves just is so distinct to its to its it, where it's being grown.
2: Hmm. That's uh, that's a great point. And uh, so, based on this, do you think uh, you know? Because I think Catarrato for the longest time has been maybe overshadowed by other factors. But do you think Catarrato as a variety? Uh, based on where we are today, has a long life ahead of itself for the production of quality wines in Sicily?
3: Absolutely. absolutely. There's no doubt in my mind. Uh, I think that Catarato now is, is just being discovered as to its, its true potential. Um, you know, it, even though everyone is producing Catarato, the beauty of Catarato is because of its resiliency as, as a vine, it, people are now keeping their Catarrato vines for far longer than they would in the past because, you know, what happens is the yield drops and no one wants a, 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 a drop in yield, right? You look for when, especially when you're a viticulturist, you want volume, you want a uh, poundage, uh, you know, quintali, you want quintals of, of, of thousands of quintals of wine. But the reality is that catarato, as the vines become older, and the production becomes lower um they really really start to impart nuances um which nuances in wine and sicilian uh winemaking culture are not really something that was ever really spoken about you know uh sicilian white wines were always uh you know baseline minerality or, or, or a uh, supple minerality, but then you have this bright acidity, and uh, more often than not, if the winemaking process was not done in a certain way, you get these uh, super acidic notes uh, and, and almost of like tropical uh, lemon, lime, pineapple. Um, but as the vines get older, you know, and which is which is in our case, right? We're we're ha- currently harvesting. Uh, well, in September we'll be harvesting vines that are have now hit forty-two years of age, um, and you know, are we? I would say I look back at the records. My grandmother kept meticulous records of every harvest uh, for the better part of the last thirty years, and you know, I went back as far as ten, fifteen years ago and the yield has dropped dramatically. I mean, you're talking about, uh, you know, a decrease uh, production of like over 30%.
0: Are you enjoying this podcast? Don't forget to visit our YouTube channel, Mama Jumbo Shrimp, for fascinating videos covering Stevie Kim and her travels across Italy and beyond, meeting winemakers, eating local food, and taking in the scenery. Now back to the show.
3: Uh, any farmer in 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 the circumstances of, of where you're growing grapes and selling would have already removed these vines, you know. Um, True. So I'm I'm very fortunate that that you know these vines are still there today. The the rootstock is 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 incredibly healthy. The Monte Inishi is just this incredibly fertile arid area, um, and so you know I think that that. That, like I said before, you know, I think that it's relatively uh, new the discovery of, of Catarrato in terms of its complexity and, and what an amazing grape uh, varietal it is.
2: I guess long live Catarrato for what you're saying, which is um, <laughs> yeah. a, a beautiful news. Uh, now, because you truly are a micro producer as far as I'm concerned, but uh, what are the challenges? The biggest challenges, anyway, you face uh, um, as a really micro producer to get your wines in the market. Uh, and please do mention what is your overall production because I think it's really sometimes when I think about it, I'm almost like, uh, does it even make sense, you know, yeah, commercial
3: yeah, what you do? But right. you go ahead, yeah. So, so our overall production uh, fluctuates from year to year. Um, I would say we're consistently producing anywhere from 16,000 to 20,000 bottles a year of catarato, um, which in, it, you know, it may sound like a large number, but it's really, really small production. Um, so the challenges I would say, uh, first and foremost is, is, is it starts in the vineyard, uh, you know, certified, uh, Uh, biological farming is is not easy and uh you know every year including you know i just came back from sicily two days ago and we had a record you know it was a seven consecutive days of over 104 degree weather um you know so you're constantly combating the elements and so it definitely would i would say starts there uh the second part is 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 bottling and and the third part at least for me was i was you know i'm fortunate to to be based here in new york uh, which is a very very challenging market um but when i first started uh you know going around with the wines and and getting my wines in in front of uh consumers was that nobody knows what catarato is right when you go to any wine shop or any liquor shop uh, liquor store or even uh, a restaurant catarato is seldom seldom the option available right and and if it is it's on the bottom shelf hidden behind some uh, big producer from somewhere else um so that was really the most challenging part for me was uh, letting people discover catarato and, and 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 then the second part is that uh you know like uh as you know There's many, many, many distributors that have a huge sales force of people that are out there with a portfolio of uh, several pages of producers, you know, hundreds of producers and thousands of wines. And so, you know, I think that from from a sales standpoint, you know, that was extremely challenging. But uh, I think my silver lining was always that it it's me, right? I was there representing my winery my family's history my heritage um and and uh, i'm very fortunate that we, we make a, a very very elegant wine that you know when people taste it, it's like wow this is very very interesting uh you know and i've been part of uh, many panels and tastings and uh, amongst uh, producers that have uh, uh, 50 60 70 years of experience uh, you know over me and that have uh, the the culture and have the 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 know-how of how to promote their wines and other demographics and and you know both nationally and internationally um, so so, yeah, there's many, many, yes. many challenges. And then there's being small, right? I don't have the the marketing budget that uh, Santa Margarita has or that, uh, you know, another big producer may have. So I, you know, but I also don't have the production. So my wines, I would say, have a, a certain level of exclusivity just by the sheer small production that we make um but you know uh the the beauty is also like uh i'm here like in in where my restaurant is in williamsburg brooklyn uh you know this is a a place where people are very well traveled and they're always looking for that new and interesting thing and so i was very very fortunate uh to to have success there and then success with people like you Cheeto. i mean we met what seven years ago I was uh, fresh to the business and, you know, it's people like you who, uh, you know, tasted my wines, believed that there was a lot of value and that they should be shared with people. And, you know, so my relationship with you has, has blossomed and has enabled my my reach to become greater than something that I'd be able to do on my own two feet. Um, so, so yeah, that's...
2: Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's wonderful and it's... It- True fact. Other than the challenges, is uh, thankfully when you show the wine, people will engage to it. Maybe slower than other varietals that they're more recognizable, but obviously the quality of the wine speaks for itself. Um, so let me ask you: you mentioned a little bit about Trebbiano, but uh, in general, what other varieties you know do you work with in the vineyards? And also, for yourself personally, what is your 10-year goal for the Iniciary Winery?
3: So so yeah so Trebbiano was was a, a grape that was incentivized by the Italian government to grow because uh, you know Italy is also one of the largest producers of vinegar um, and so a lot of uh, public cantinas in our area have these uh, massive concentration tanks where they would take Trebbiano grape and make uh, concentrated grape must and so on and so forth. Thankfully, that is going away. Um, so I, I would say, you know, uh, that there may be less vinegar uh, in Italy and, and more quality wine. Um, but uh, we grow other indigenous fries. We grow a little bit of uh, Grillo, a little bit of Insoglia, um, and we're currently experimenting with uh, some reds. One grape variety that I love, but that is incredibly delicate is Perricone.
2: Mm, Um,
3: Pericone is is just this Vivacious bright Red grape that Lends itself to almost To a Pinot Noir but still Has that um, Almost um, Like uh, Fresh bright plum You know almost like that tart Plum kind of uh, 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 Palette To it and so um, You know as my goal for my 10 year goal for cherry wines is, is uh, uh first and foremost to improve our quality we're always improving uh you know from a, from a winemaking standpoint you know we're constantly learning uh you know new i wouldn't say technological ways but we're learning the nuances of our grapes specifically um you know, we, uh, Monte Inishi is an incredibly arid valley, and we're on a, a west-facing slope. So what we have is, is a late afternoon sun, which is a little bit, it's, it's warm, uh, but doesn't have that intense heat of the early morning light or the, the, the afternoon, the early afternoon light, which is, is very intense. Um, the second part is that we, we, the, our property starts at about 250 meters above sea level and then goes all the way up to 650, 700 meters above sea level. And on the vineyard itself, we have three distinct uh, types of topography. We have uh, uh, red sands and, and, and a little bit of a clayish like soil. Uh, then at, and that's at around 200, 300, 400 meters above sea level, sea level. And then as we get up to around 500, where the Catarato Lucido is planted, uh, it's, it's all topsoil limestone with deep, deep uh, deposits of, of calcium and uh, rich uh, granite-like and limestone uh, bedrock. Um, and, and the second part is that it's a very arid valley you know there there's maestro winds that that flow through especially like come around april may which we have you know lots of rain obviously or so sometimes we don't have as much rain but uh in, you know in, in our case uh we got late rain this year but typically around march april it'll rain a lot but then you have these winds that flow through the the valley that allow the vines to aerate allow them to uh cool down and and really the limestone is something super special because uh, throughout the day it warms up and and then you know at high elevations you have a drastic change in temperature between day and night so you can be talking 20 30 degrees um in the in the in the in the um, in the, in the spring. So, um, what, what, what we are fortunate is, is that that limestone actually allows the rootstock of the plant to, to stay warm throughout the night. Um, and as a matter of fact, you know, when we're during harvest in September, this year we'll probably be harvesting around first or second week of September, you actually feel the warmth still in the stones. And we're, you know, we start harvesting, um, before morning light. And, and it's it's really, really amazing how nature just kind of takes care of itself in a, in a sense. It's, it's really almost uh, poetic, uh, to be to be brutally honest.
2: Yeah, no, you, I uh, think, uh, you answered the question I was going to ask you, but either way, you painted the, quite the amazing picture of what uh, basically the Inichi Mountain area is like, and obviously where your vineyards specifically are located, which ultimately... I would assume it's going to give this terrific wine. Uh, but just to give a bit more geographical idea, Castella Mara del Golfo, which I've never been, but I hear now not only is a fishing village traditionally, but it's become uh, quite a bit uh, a hub for nightlife as well. Is that right?
3: Yeah, so so Castellammare del Golfo is is uh, on the northwest coast in the Gulf of Sicily. It's the provincia of Trapani, um, and basically it's it was once upon a time a quaint small fishing village. We have a beautiful castle that that basically stands at the head of the the marina um and uh you know the castle was built i believe in the 1400s and um for the better part of the last couple hundred years it was a fishing village and and actually castellamare uh, the castle is protecting what is one of the largest granary silos, which is basically the town was built on top of these grain silos uh, in the Mediterranean. And the Monte Inici Valley was famous for growing ancient grains to make uh, flour and, you know, uh, for pasta production, etc. cetera. Um, and so the you know ships would actually pull up to the port of Castellamare, and, and the, 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 the silos that sit below ground underneath the town were, were just filled with uh, with grains from from the Monte from the uh, Contrada Inici.
2: Wow. That's um a, so yeah, yeah amazing and and now, now
3: it's you know as as a child it, it, it you know it was a relatively quiet I mean there was always the events that happened in town and things like that but now and especially in the last 7 years I've seen um uh tourism double year over year. Uh every turn every corner you turn now uh is a is a boutique hotel or Airbnb. Uh there's lots of restaurants and shops and uh you know I I I could go on and on to talk about Castellanari because it really is a beautiful place.
2: Yeah, that's uh, also the power of wine. Sometimes, uh, you know, the more wine becomes popular from certain areas, the more people start traveling Mm -hmm. those areas. And obviously it creates uh, wealth and uh, opportunities for the locals as well, which is is great. Absolutely. So you mentioned about your Biologico, which comes with a set of challenges. Uh, So my question here was more about what ultimately being uh, working Biologico with all that comes with it delivers ultimately in the glass when it comes to, you know, flavors of the wine. And also, I remember, I can't remember now exactly, but I remember you skipped a vintage because you had a, a specific issue which you can mention better. I believe it was 2019 maybe
3: yes yeah yeah we had uh, penospora, you know no uh, rot in, in in the vines um uh you know i think that the, the while it's extremely challenging to be uh, certified biologico you, you you know you have to use the the elements and the the techniques and and these are you know what we're currently employing today in terms of techniques are techniques that have been uh, a staple uh, or in the arsenal of, of my family's history and culture you know our your own is a, is, a, is a cousin of, of of my mother and a cousin of mine um, and he's been doing that for over 50 years um, so he not only knows the the vines like the back of his hand but he knows uh, through um, what has been handed down generation to generation are these techniques yes we're using tractors now and we're but Aeration was done either, you know, once upon a time was done with a mule and today we do with a tractor. Um, And so, um, you know, I think that the wines, because of this, right, you're not adding anything. It's it's kind of like when you're making a dish, uh, 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 let's say a pasta, the more you add, the more you take away. Uh, you know the nuances or the subtleties of those individual ingredients don't really shine because you're adding this, that, and the other thing, and and that's what certified biological is doing for our wines, I believe. Um, you know, it allows the, the 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 natural terroir of of our our soil composition, and it, it's it's a very 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 clear indication of what type of uh, uh, weather we had that year. Um, you know, 2017, for instance, I remember it was not just because it was my first harvest, but, you know, once you start making wine, you you never forget a harvest because the, the amount of things that you encounter every day, the challenges that you encounter every day, really kind of shine through. And, and you remember every growing season, you know, 2017 was very hot. And I remember that it was basically we were spending our entire, you know, harvest starts at around 3 a.m. We start picking grapes around four and then we'll go all the way until 10 a.m. But then you have to stop after 10 because of the, the heat, you know, it'll be 98, 100 degrees. Um, and it's not really conducive to, to picking grapes. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll never forget the, the um, you know, we were waiting like it was almost hour to hour. We were measuring the bricks and, and the skins and the maturation of the skins was not matching to the fruit. And so that, as you know, is, is the skin contact is very, very vital to the composition of a of a wine. Um, and so, uh, you know, it was that like we I was almost like we, we were not leaving the vineyard because we were like you know well maybe in a few hours it'll be ready or maybe in a couple more hours it'll be ready and we were just going you know row by row section by section just testing and testing and tasting and and you know tasting the grape is really really important as well because you get the the nuances um, of the grape and so so yeah that's uh, that is really wholeheartedly the all the challenges that you face right is that you can't combat the the elements with just by adding some sort of pesticide or some fertilizer or right you're kind of this is what it is
2: yeah you're in the hands of mother nature i guess uh, so, because you mentioned, uh, this wasn't part of the script, but because you mentioned, obviously, you're a chef at heart, you're passion food and wine, and because Cataratto, obviously, it's a quite unique wine, uh, although becoming more popular, why don't you give me two dishes? One traditional, one maybe not so traditional that you think Catarrato would be a great pairing for.
3: Oh uh, well, traditional for me would be a huge... Plate of um, of uh, red prawns from Mazzara del Vallo, or and mm. sea urchin, and all raw, with just a, a light light string of olive oil, uh, a little bit of sea salt, and maybe maybe a kiss of lemon juice. But other than that, I think that is the perfect pair for me. There is no better pairing. Uh, and as a matter of fact, the minute my feet touch Sicilian soil, I go right to. Uh, a certain little restaurant in the marina, which I know the owner for a long time. Uh, he has uh, commercial fishing boats, and he saves the best of his catch for his restaurant. And it's the first thing that I have. Um, and probably a not-so-traditional, I would say um, it really, really lends itself well to um, uh, I thoroughly enjoy it with Asian cuisine. Um, you know, a lot of Asian cuisine has a lot of that uh, sweetness and those uh, almost uh, wild tropical notes like yuzu, citrus and soy. And, and there's a lot of richness in, in all of those dishes. And I feel that catarato both matches the intensity uh, from from a body standpoint. But then it has this great crisp acidity that just cleans your palate and, and, and it's a favorite of mine uh and and, and my wife uh, when when we when we uh order out or order in um you know i feel that it, it really is a, a perfect pairing in my opinion
2: Oh, that's wonderful so last questions before we open in case anybody has any questions um uh, really more give you the stage here and what is the message you'd like to share with all listening both obviously today live as well as uh, you know people that will listen later that follow the italian wine podcast
3: go to sicily the the reality (laughs) is uh there is so many amazing amazing micro producers uh in my area and all over sicily that never leave uh, sicily never leave uh, not just never leave italy but never leave sicily um, you know, I know a handful of producers that I have to go and knock on the person's door where they live in town and, and get a hold of a few bottles because their production is so small. And they really, you know, they do it almost as uh, almost for the same reasons as, as I. Right. It's to kind of continue that 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 heritage and that legacy. And, and because it's, it's part of the new mainstay of Sicilian viticulture. Um, or at least in our area bit of culture. Um, so yeah, go to Sicily uh, travel you know Sicily is not an easy place to travel you you have to fend for yourself a little bit. there are no um, there are very few uh, tour guidebooks and and tours set up but the the reality is is that it, it the Sicilian people are, are wonderful people and they welcome foreigners into their arms and they're helpful and they want you they want to share more specifically want to share what a little bit of, of their life and their culture with you um, and so I would say definitely definitely if you can plan to go to Sicily
2: yeah I think uh, many many people have been listening to that because I do most recently, but in general, I do a lot of things involving Sicilian wines. I actually have a wine dinner tonight about Sicily, but anytime I go to do tastings and things like that, people are always like asking about uh, Sicilian wines because either they just went or they're going very soon. So maybe thanks to the various series on HBO, Netflix, or whatever else, also talking about Sicily and showing these magical places, uh, I think uh, more and more the island and all that comes with it have been exposed to an international, um, uh, you know, clientele, which is which is wonderful, yeah. and I can can't wait to get there myself uh, soon enough. But uh, well, I I, uh, I just want to say first and foremost, thank you on behalf of uh, myself as a friend, uh, Claudia, for for your time, for being here today, talking about your winery, your story, your family, and obviously your delicious wines. And um, I'm going to pass it on to, uh, I don't know if Laika or Stevie, if they have any questions or anyone else for that matter.
3: Thank you, I
1: All right. Uh, I, I was getting so hungry while Claudia was <laughs> describing the food. I can tell he's a food person. Claudia, listen, I'm going to come and see you because I'll be in Brooklyn mm. soon. So, I will be Wonderful. definitely coming to Pecoraro Latteria. I was going, I went to your s- website, and there you have a small, tiny problem with um, the wine section, the drink side. But,
2: um, oh, thank just, you for
1: bringing that up. Yeah, to my just attention. FYI. But, uh, yeah, I, my mouth was just watering like every time <laughs> Claudia was describing the food. Uh, which brings me to my question. Um, uh, I've been working on this theory for a little bit with also with our um, friend, uh, Gervender from Canada. I saw him in Paris uh, a couple of weeks ago. And I just feel like, and maybe Cheeto, both Cheeto and Claudia, can chime in on this idea. The wine wine uh, makers they're ch- always chasing um, like the superstars in terms of uh, restaurants, right? Like the Michelin-starred restaurants. And I yep. always get the feeling, right, so that everyone wants to do their winemaker's dinner and whatever their events, but I always give, get a feeling. Well, not you, Claudio. I'm making an exception for you. Most of the chefs, they don't give a shit about wine. You know? I Sometimes I feel I like—
3: don't, I don't. I don't I don't know that that's necessarily true I think in those higher caliber restaurants the chef is so hyper focused on the food yeah um and making sure that that dish comes out 1000% day in and day out uh, you know, because there's a lot on the line, right, especially when you're talking about Michelin stars or in New York, or New York Times or, you know, you never know who is sitting in your dining room. And in in those situations, the stakes are very, very high. Um, you know, in my case, I always uh, look for smaller restaurants, uh, ones where they have a, a strong wine program and more so people who care. Right. People Mm -hmm. who really care about the product that they're serving. Um, And because, you know, my wines are a hand sell. They're not something that you read on a menu and say, oh, yeah, I'll take that one. Mm -hmm. You know.
1: Yes. I guess completely a different story between like, you know, someone like yourself and this, you know, the superstars of, you know, the restaurants in a way. Right. I mean, luckily we have the Psalms, right? They kind of bridge the gap in a way, and they make the wine yes, list yeah. and whatnot, but I, I don't know. It's this thing like we, ha- I mean, I, I've actually Googled it and tried to find out if there are any articles dedicated to that, but there was absolutely nothing. So we commissioned actually a survey through a quench, and hopefully uh, Govinda will be presenting that. So getting back to you, Cheetah, did you want to uh, chime in on this or...
2: Uh, I, I think, uh, well, you guys both made a good point because obviously when it comes to restaurants, it all depends. At least for Boston where we don't have michelin star restaurants, we don't necessarily have that issue as far as that. But It is true, I mean, at least in our case, when we do wine dinners or when there's a producer doing wine dinner, we talk to the chef or the owner, depending on who's making those decisions, and we try to make sure that they create uh, the best possible menu to pair up with the wines and food together. Uh, But um, there there is a little bit of both. I have to be fair where there's people that don't care about the wines, these people they do care and they want to give the best uh, food and wine pairing and the best possible experience to their customers. So, um, you know, okay. That's just Listen,
1: just uh, we have a uh, couple of more minutes. So, Claudia, can you first of all to go to your winery? Which airport do we fly into? Is it Catania? Is you it would, uh, Palermo? You would fly into
3: Palermo. And yeah, you would fly into Palermo, and then we're about 30 minutes west of Palermo. Uh, you would get off uh, in Castellamare, and then from Castellamare, it's about 0.2 miles from the ocean. So it's, so, it's quite close um, to
1: Palermo, actually.
3: Yeah, 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 it's, yeah. It's, it's it's very, very close. Yeah. Okay,
1: and can you just, for our audience, can you just give us a grand overview of uh, kind of the markets? Like, how many... How many wines? How many labels have you got? And what is the volume of production?
3: So I currently have uh, I have three wines mm-hmm. that I'm bottling. Uh, uh, my Catarato, which is a star, uh, and then I make Nero d'Avola from uh, what what are pre vines uh they're like over 70 something years old um and so i have only a very very small production so catarato i produce about uh anywhere from uh, 16 to 20,000 bottles a year uh Nerodavola, i only produce uh about 8,000 bottles a year and uh, the two labels uh because I only have 6 rows of Nero d'Avola, uh two rows are pre-phylloxera vines which I only produce on a good vintage because that's only when we harvest. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the Nero is is a very very delicate grape. Um, you know, if you especially these vines if you look at them wrong, the fruit drops. Uh they're very Sicilian. Um and so um, so I produce these three wines and, and, uh, all my production is small, but the, the reds are very, very small production. And uh, for the most part, I have them sold before they even come out. Um, and, uh, my wines are available currently in 20 States. Um, I work with, uh, you know, smaller distributors and, and, you know, we're from Texas to North Carolina to Florida. We just, um. Uh, initiated conversations for California as I, I, I made uh, friendship with a few amazing uh, master sommeliers in, in the Napa Valley, all of which are very interested in trying, our, uh, trying to bring our wines to the market. Um, and so, so, yeah, we have quite the reach for, for a small, uh, super small production uh, winery.
1: So is it correct to assume that most of your wines are being sold stateside?
3: Ah uh, correct or, yes okay. all my wines are being sold stateside yes not in Italy unfortunately I, I don't have uh, what I have in Italy is a small garage winery right I don't have all the bells and whistles mm-hmm. of a, of a, you know Pietra Dolce or you know Cusumano, for instance I have a, a small super small garage winery of which uh, you know I don't have a tasting room or anything like that you know that's part of my 10-year plan. Right. Uh, part of my ten-year plan is to develop a little bit more. You know where we are. Contrada Indici is uh, is a um, um, it's a uh, an, a land preserve. So basically, what whatever we have there is whatever structure we have is the structure we have to keep. There's nothing we can build a massive winery or anything like that. Uh, But luckily, I have a home that my grandfather and his brothers uh, built brick by brick uh, by hand uh, 60 something years ago. And that's that's where we plan to, to make to build out a full winery.
1: All right. Well, I think we can come to a close. Mm. I am very much looking forward to um, tasting your wines at uh, Pecoraro. But more importantly, I I saw that calciofi. I really want to have a taste of that. (laughs) That looks so great.
3: I look forward to having you. Okay.
1: I'll ping you before I pop by. Make sure you're there. Wonderful. Okay. Laika, thank you so much. Chiro, as always, Uh, thank you very much for making this love connection um otherwise we would have never found out about claudio based in brooklyn making <laughs> wines from sicily that's a lovely story alaika ciao
0: ciao stevie okay
1: so what's the ciao, program
0: Alika. yeah so um we're going to have another clubhouse on thursday uh so it's at 5 30 our regular time so bev burden um she will be interviewing. Uh, Fabio Ciraci from, uh, from he's, such, he's such
1: a nice guy. is he, yeah. he's the, one of the nicest uh, gentlemen of uh, Sicilian wines. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Thank you guys for joining, and alla prossima. Actually, it's Thursday, so ciao ragazzi. Ciao TV. Swirl. Sniff. Sniff. Sniff.
3: Sniff.
0: Sniff. Sniff. And